Hey, this is Howard Jacobson, and I am delighted to be joined on the phone today by my friend Shar Nolan. Hello, Shar. Good afternoon, Howard. It's nice to talk to you. Yeah. So you are uh, out of Philadelphia with Real Food Works, a really interesting um, company and uh, dedicated listeners to this podcast may remember a conversation that I had a while back with uh, Lucinda, who is the, the CEO and, and founder. And we will, we'll talk a little bit about Real Food Works as well. But I wanted to talk to you about, you sent me a note a little while back uh, with the shocking news that you had just turned 64. And, That's very true. <laughs> um, and, you know, as, as, as many of us who are in the plant-based world know, um, there is no such thing as, like, stopping time. But eating well is can be pretty darn close to it. So I would love for you to, first of all, um, you know, tell, give us a little bit about your, your story, your background. So you're now you know, completely plant-based, healthy, vigorous, active, energized. Were you always this way, or was there a time in your life when you were eating, shall we say, less than optimally? Um, I never resorted to eating ho-hos and hugs. Uh, I was a volume eater and uh, sometimes would stray to the other side. But I um, five years ago, I had surgery, and uh, I lied to the doctor about my weight. I didn't want to get on the scale. And the day of my surgery, um, the anesthesiologist came in and said to me, um, we need to weigh you because you refuse to get weighed in, in order for me to titrate your anesthesia, et cetera. So when I got on the scale, she told me that I weighed 298 pounds. And I can only remember this, having had spinal anesthesia, that the only thing I remember thinking for the entire duration of having a hip replacement was that, oh, my God, I almost weighed 300 pounds. What am I going to do? And um, I was working at Whole Foods Market at the time, and shortly thereafter, they had announcements for the uh, genesis of what you now know as Health Starts Here, and they were starting these immersions, and I started, I applied to go to an immersion, and on the day that my immersion application needed to be sent in by my boss, my boss was unavailable because he died that morning of a massive heart attack. And he was a boss who I loved and admired and had a lot of respect for. And um, somebody else said, well, just let Char go to that immersion thing. And several weeks later, I went to the Engine 2, the inaugural Engine 2 immersion in Austin, Texas. And to say that it was life-changing uh, was an understatement. You know, in my very late 50s, and I was on the precipice of change, I had good health, I I was a picture of health, but now I'm like an even clearer picture of health. My cholesterol after being plant-based whole foods or plant-strong for four years is in the low 150 range, and my blood pressure is like 110 over 70, and I've lost almost 100 pounds and continue on my weight loss journey all by eating plants and uh, not eating any dairy, and as Dr. Eswelston always says, not eating anything that has eyes with the exception of a potato. Hmm. So that's essentially my journey. Gotcha. So I'm, I'm curious about a, f uh, a couple of things as I, as I hear that. One of them, now before the call, you uh, were talking to me about a, a current uh, social media uh, scandal around the, 
the winner of the this latest run of The Biggest Loser, who uh, I guess in just a few weeks lost two-thirds of her body weight. And... <laughs> Um, so I'm hearing from you that you went you went from 300 down to about 200 in four mm-hmm. in four years, and mm-hmm. you're taking it sort of. It, it sounds like you're not really focusing on the weight loss at all. It's just sort of a an organic, natural byproduct of your body healing and restabilizing. Is that is that fair to say? That I know that you know they said the 298 pounds was kind of a shocker. What's your what's your relationship to weight and weight loss on this journey? Well, that's a really um, interesting uh, and tough question. Um, I still like to eat. Um, I still uh, have to focus on uh, portion control because, or portion management, because uh, even though I eat a plant-based whole foods diet, um, I want to make sure if I'm having a bowl of whole wheat pasta that there are two-thirds vegetables and one-third pasta instead of the other way around. So I've really had to rethink the way that I approach food. Um, I'm Italian. I grew up in a household where, you know, you were always encouraged to manja, 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 and that food was love. And um, So I still have to be careful the way that I approach food. And sometimes I, it, in a month, in the beginning, the weight just fell off like, oh, leaves on the tree in the fall. And now sometimes I might lose a half a pound a week, and I'm grateful for that half a pound. I do yoga five times a week. I take an aerobics class. I have a personal trainer. Um, I, I I think that I do uh, everything right. If 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 you believe that your metabolism slows down as you get older, I think I might be the poster child for that. But I feel amazing, and I know just feel amazing. I think that's the only thing. And I, I will say that um, I had uh, or still have I don't know osteoarthritis, and was always riddled with pain. And after being plant-based for about 10 days, I woke up one day and I had not one little pinch of pain in my body. And it was very clear for me at that moment to see this correlation between eating plants equals no pain. And since that day, I haven't had anything on the animal side of the food spectrum. And what keeps me going is that I live a pain-free life. I I don't think I've had a Tylenol or an aspirin in four and a half years. And I think that's pretty incredible. So it's mm-hmm. not just about the weight. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I hear, what I hear from you is that your your positive experience is very much sort of an inside game, right? You you know your numbers, you know your experience of how it feels to be in your body, you know the 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 pleasure and the confidence that comes from treating it right and 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 working it out, um, and the you know the external. The weight is, is, it must, it must be interesting because that's obviously what our society is focused on. And no one ever, you know, wonders about, you know, oh, is that person in pain or what's their cholesterol? It's just all sort of, you know, snap judgment based on a, a visual appraisal. Um, have you found it, um, an, you know, an interesting dance or balance around um, what, the society's huge obsession with weight as opposed to what sounds like your natural movement towards health? 
it's very funny that you would ask that, and I'll tell you why. I was having lunch uh, several weeks ago with uh, some women who were in a professional group with me, and uh, they're all counting calories and measuring things, and they were eating in, in a crazy fashion that I, that I don't eat in. And uh, I had ordered my food, and we were talking about weight loss, and I had shared with them that I've lost, you know, nearly 100 pounds, and so forth and so on. And one of the women at the table said, well, that's great that you've lost 100 pounds, but you still can't get clothes at Lily Pulitzer. Lily Pulitzer, the sort of upscale clothing store for, for women who like to wear colors in pink and green. And I said, well, you know, that's true. First of all, I would never shop at Lily Pulitzer because it's not my style of clothing. But the reality is that I think I'm probably healthier than any woman at this table. So I think that, um, you know, there's an old... Uh, 12-step motto from Overeaters Anonymous that equates to sin does not always necessarily mean well. And I think that that's an important thing to focus on. So I kind of use that as like a stabilizer for myself. And um, I kind of think, Howard, that I'm almost um, a silent spokesperson for especially women my age who take not one prescription medication. Um, the only pill that I take is a vitamin B12, one I remember. I try to drink fortified uh, almond milk that has B12 in it because I often forget to take vitamin B12. Um, I think that that speaks more volumes than uh, whether or not I can get my clothes at Lily Pulitzer. Did, did, that, did that answer the question for you? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm, I'm trying, I'm listening between the lines. It sounds like that there's been a kind of internal evolution that you're, it, for lack of a better word, you're sort of more confident and empowered now. Is that does that sound accurate? That through, through you know through your journey that you're, you're you sound very at ease with yourself at whatever weight because that's a a side effect of of the health that you're achieving. I think that you're absolutely right, and I, I, I can just relate to being at the grocery store and having the prettiest, greenest, healthiest cart on the floor <laughs> and walking by. No, I'm being serious. I and know, I know. By. I'm laughing because I that's that's like my strut is when I'm at, this, at the checkout <laughs> counter and I've got all this produce and I just, I just, some little part of me is like, yeah, check out, you know, like, like instead of my triceps, I'm like, check out that broccoli. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's it's true. And I don't know about you, but I take the inventory of the person in front of me and behind me and think to myself, well, you may be squeezing into those size eight pair of pants, but I don't have any food that has trans fat in it or I've got, you know, delicious kale here. I know I'm going to make a wonderful stir-fry, not in oil, and I'm going to eat a better dinner than you tonight. Um, I think that that's, uh, I, I think that that's a great confidence to have. Um, yeah, I think that that's a, a great confidence to have. Here, here's the game that I play sometimes, which is, you know, you're walking through the supermarket, you don't necessarily make eye contact with people so very often i will be i will see the cart being pushed before i see the person pushing it and i'll look at the cart and then think about like how healthy that person who's pushing that cart is likely to look oh that's a great game i'm gonna start playing that <laughs> so it's it's a little petty possibly <laughs> but uh but you know i mean especially like i i, I shop a lot at costco 
where uh-huh. there is, you know, everything's huge at Costco. So, you know, whatever you're buying at Costco, you're probably eating a lot of it. And the, you know, you could get, you know, stacks and stacks of cheese pizzas and crackers and cookies and sodas, or you can get, you know, huge mounds of produce. And it, you really do see, you know, that, that there's a direct correlation. It's like a, or, you know, a law, like a, a law like gravity or, or, you know, conservation of mass, that if you put this stuff in your body, you are going to be unwell. That's, that's, you're absolutely right. And, you know, just one interesting little thing. I happen to love um, seltzer water. And uh, seltzer water at the giant grocery store in my neighborhood is on the same aisle as soda. And it's pretty amazing to me to think that soda takes up a full aisle on both sides of soda, soda, soda. And then there's this little teeny weeny, you know, shelf for seltzer water. And I just look at amazement in the people who are getting that. And sometimes, you know, I don't know if you do this in Hot Howard, but sometimes I'll help people read labels in the grocery store or I'll do a little intervention about sodium or whatever. On the Coke aisle, I never say a word to anybody because they all seem so addicted to all of those fluids and I just kind of, you know, go on my way and mind my own business. But uh, I shop in different places. I go to farmer's market. I have an organic food delivery come to my house once a week. But when I'm out and about in the grocery store, um, it's it's quite amazing. And at, um, at the holiday season, I was buying some... Um, uh, hummus at a conventional grocery store and I was reading every label because I wanted to find a fat-free hummus, which doesn't exist in the, in the conventional world. And this lady said to me, boy, you're sure taking a long time looking for some hummus. And I said, well, I'm looking for, for one that's fat-free. And she goes, oh, lady, come on, it's the holidays, indulge. Hmm. And I just thought to myself, well, you know, she doesn't want to hear your story. Just smile at her, wish her a happy holiday, and then I ended up having to go to Whole Foods to go buy some um, Engine 2 hummus, uh, which I like, and most of the time I make it myself, but I'm just going someplace and wanted to take it, so anyway. Right, yeah, part of my maturing process has been to just clamp my teeth together and not let words come out most of the time. But, yeah, it, it seldom ends well when I'm like giving unsolicited advice. So I still have children for that, you know. So I don't have to inflict them <laughs> on the general public. So uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the 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 whole sixty four thing, turning mm-hmm. sixty four. And you'd mentioned to me that you consider yourself the poster child for never too late. Can you talk yep. a little bit about? What what never too late feels like to you, and how you carry that into the world? I will, and I'll preface it by telling you that the age that I am now is the age that my sainted mother was diagnosed with metastatic lung and brain cancer, and she passed away at the age that I am now. And um, I meet a lot of people who will say to me, Oh, you're the same as my mother, and then they'll tell me that their mother is on tons and tons of medication or has hypertension or diabetes or other Western diseases. And when I say to them that I take no medication and that my blood pressure is good and other things like that, or on Sunday mornings I take a hip-hop class and I am always the oldest person in the room, 
but I keep up with the young girls, like, the best that I can. I might not know all the words to the songs that they're playing, but I keep up with them. And then after the class, always a young girl will keep up to me and say, oh, I wish my mom would come to this class. And I'll say, well, just bring your mom. I'd love to meet her. Because I think that um, following a medical model of living is not something that I want to do. And I grew up in a household where the windowsill over the kitchen sink was always lined with amber-colored medication bottles. And um, that's something that I have never wanted to be part of my life. So never too late to change. Always good to embrace new habits. And I, I think just from my own experience of living a plant-based whole foods lifestyle is probably the best medicine that you can do. You know, not to sound cliche, but I think Hippocrates was right. Let that food be thy medicine. Mm-hmm. So the average 64-year-old in America is, I don't know if you know have the number off the top of your head, but is, is taking some number of prescription meds every day, right? Wow. Yeah. Do you know any other people your age who aren't? No. My neighbor and I are the same age, and when we walk in the morning, I almost have to, like, click her out because all she wants to talk about are her ails and things that are going wrong with her. I went to my 40th high school reunion several years ago, and I drove all the way to Long Island, (laughs) for what I thought was going to be the best night of my life as an adult. And I ended up calling my husband and saying, I'm on my way home. And he said, why? And I said, I'm sitting at my old lunch table with the same people I ate lunch with 40 years ago. And all they're talking about are surgery and medicine. Mm. And it it wasn't where I wanted to be. So maybe your statistic is is right. But I, I don't know too many people, except people in the plant strong world, who um, actually um, live the same way that I do. You know, it's always fun when you meet people who um, will share with you, I'll use the word glory, where they may have been on prescription medications and then through diet and exercise through eating a plant-based diet, that they kind of surrender having to take, you know, those uh, medications and, and things like that. So I, I think that that's good. And I'll tell you one quick funny story, Howard. When I worked for Whole Foods Market, on my last day of work, I had $3,800 in my personal wellness account, and I never spent any money in my personal wellness account because I didn't take any medications, and I was like, I've got to spend this money quickly. So I went to a fancy eyeglass place, and I bought, like, designer eyeglasses (laughs) and Ray-Bans. I I donated most of the Ray-Bans to a charity so they could raise money, but that's what I did with my money because I didn't spend it on... um, on uh, pharmaceuticals. Right, right. And I think with the uh, the uh, Affordable Care Act and people now taking a second look at their health insurance options, you know, one one thing our family has done for years that's, that's saved us, you know, several thousand dollars a year is our insurance is for catastrophic only. So, you know, we, we when you, when you, when you pay for the standard American full-service health insurance, you know, for the doctor visits, for, for big co-pays on your, on your meds, for procedures, for surgeries, mm-hmm. For, uh, mm-hmm. for all the diagnostics, you know, clearly if you're, if you're eating a standard American diet, it's a good deal. It's like when I used to uh, work at a school and I'd buy some piece of electronics, like a 
a tape player or a CD player, I would always get the um, you know the insurance policy that came with it, the product replacement that was almost like half the price of the item, because I knew with all those grubby little fingers in the second grade classroom that it was going to need to be replaced. But when I bought it for myself, I would never buy that extra insurance policy because I would take care of it. And it's it's kind of like that with our health that if you if you spend the money on eating right, you get to save ten times the money on health insurance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And as my husband and I turn the corner to being sixty-five, um, we're looking into you know what our healthcare alternatives will be. But my insurance company loves me because I don't cost them a dime. So I think that's a good thing. Right, and I guess you're you're facing very different issues and challenges than most sixty-five-year-olds, right? You're you're not expect you know, you know we, we, nobody knows what the future brings, but you're sort of expecting to have to figure out, you know, how to live for twenty, thirty, forty more years. No, that's true. That's very, very true. Because I, I. Uh, my grandmother lived to be 98. My great-grandfather lived to be 100. Um, and uh, sadly, um, Western diseases got my mother. But if I have that nice piece of longevity in me, um, I hope that I'm as healthy uh, then as I am today. And I think that I know that the answer is in my kitchen. You know, the, the kitchen is my uh, is my real place of wellness. So... Um, yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. You'll have to contact me, Howard, when I'm 90. All right, well, I have to keep eating well so that I can. <laughs> I think that you will. Yeah. I think we'll, that you will. We'll, we'll, we'll meet at the produce aisle in Whole Foods in, uh, in Conshohocken or something. Well, we could do that. By the way, they're closed today because uh, they have no electricity at their store, so uh, uh, you'll have to find another place to shop today. So anyway, so um, so do you do any sort of formal or informal outreach with others in their sixties and beyond, who you know they've had a lifetime of habits, they look mm-hmm. around and they see that their downward trajectory of health is quote normal, and they think you know well it's too late to change or, or they're resigned. Do you do you have any? Uh, impact on, on folks like that? You know, um, the other day I had lunch with uh, Anna Negrone, who I know that you know, Dr. Anna Negrone, who is just delightful. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, well, what are you going to do when you grow up? Because I think that that's something that we all think about in terms of, you know, being productive citizens. And I said, well, my real goal is that when I stop working, I see myself being an interventionist for senior citizens, baby boomers who will be senior citizens, and saying to them, meet me at the grocery store, let me take you on a tour, let's go to your house and let me show you how to make one easy meal that doesn't have any oil, salt, or sugar in it. So um, I do have a lot of young people who will give me their mother's phone numbers, and I will call them up out of the blue and say, hey, you don't know who I am, but your daughter gave me your phone number. And I tell them who I am and that I will meet them wherever they want to go to a grocery store and take them on a tour. And I've done that a couple of times, and that's always kind of fun. So I think that that's a good thing. And maybe that will kind of 
have a snowball effect and, and blossom into uh, something bigger. I also do health coaching at uh, Real Food Works, and uh, they have a weight loss program, so I'm able to address the the joys of eating a plant-based whole foods diet. And um, as one of my clients said to me last week, he goes, oh, wow, you sound like you're an expert. So, of course, I kind of tortled to myself because I don't think I'm an expert, but I certainly live first-handedly, uh, you know, understanding um, those pillars and how they really can have a positive impact on your well-being. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, that sounds, you know, it sounds like younger people are more open to the message that they're the ones sending you to their parents. Don't you think that's sweet? I, I, I'm always sort of just, I feel a warm embrace around my heart when that happens, that it shows me how much a young person cares for their parent and how they look at me as what anybody can become in terms of just being healthier, you know? Right. So I think that that's a good thing. I think that's good. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, most of us grew up, many of us grew up with parents who cared deeply about us, and one of those arenas where they cared deeply was around food, and they were, you know, telling us when we were little, you've got to eat this to be big and strong, and they may have been misinformed, but, you know, a lot of the time, the love comes through, and so yep. it's, it's nice to, uh, you know, to be in a new world with, with all sorts of... Uh, you know, new new understandings and discoveries and be able to pay it back a little bit as well as paying it forward. Yeah, I, I think, Howard, the other thing that just popped into my head is that I don't know if you know this enough, but the giant grocery stores, and I know that they're in Pennsylvania and beyond, but they have registered dietitians on staff, and you just have to go to customer service and say, I want to make an appointment with the registered dietitian, and it's free. And that the registered dietitian will work with you. Now, she may or he may not follow a whole foods plant-based diet. But I think that that says a lot about that grocery store as well, that food is becoming medicine. Mm -hmm. Don't you think? Yeah. Well, we're, we're starting to understand that we're, you know, we're walking around with, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're either scalpels or, uh, you know, or, uh, daggers that we're either healing ourselves or you know that food food is way more powerful than the casual and recreational way we've been treating it well you know uh the other thing i recommend to every um person that i coach at real food works is um to get forks over knives and i suggest not to watch it all at once but to watch it for 10 minutes a day and then that way get through the entire 90 minutes and uh I would say that nine times out of ten, people come back to me and say, oh, my God, I understand what you're talking about, or that movie really makes sense to me. And I, I think I may have shared with you that I saw Forks Over Knives when it was in a director's cut. I saw it at the um, Rip Esselstyn Engine 2 immersion in Austin, and the movie spoke to me so much that at the immersion you could go to African dance one night and you could go to folk singing or you could watch this movie. And I watched the movie every night for a week because it was just so powerful. And it was the first time that I had ever heard that it could be medicine. And it just it just hit a really powerful chord with me. So um, I think that movie single-handedly is responsible for getting people to 
look at the way they look at food. And one quick story, a colleague was at a convenience store getting an all-vegetable hoagie made on a whole wheat roll, and the clerk behind the counter said, did you ever hear of a movie called Forks Over Knives? Yeah. My family and I watched this movie, and the five of us gave up meat and gave up this and that and cold cuts, and my mom doesn't take high blood pressure medication anymore. So that movie has a very, very powerful current for anybody who wants to change their lifestyle and embrace a healthier way of, of being. It's not just about the weight loss, Howard. I think it's about, you know, your biometrics and your attitude and your clarity and thinking and the way that good food has an impact on your emotional well-being as well. So I think that, um, you know, the the cascade of it is just really, really never-ending in a good way. Right. Well, you know, we uh, we talk a lot about holism and and being whole, and it's 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 inevitable that if we see food as separate from everything else, the effects of what we eat are going to leak unseen. And if we if we embrace food as the the principal way that we interact with the world, this is how the world goes in and out. And you know, on not even on a spiritual level, just on a physical level, this is how we are one with everything. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, be, being mindful, you know, and I don't, I don't even tell people like what to eat anymore. If someone comes to me and they ask, I'll mention, you know, that the whole food plant-based diet is scientifically, um, backed up and it's worked very well for me and many, many people, but I don't try to convince people of a particular way of eating over another. I just tell people to start bringing awareness to what they eat instead of whatever it is in the car uh, or just, you know, just sort of mindlessly to really start thinking about food and when you're actually eating it to pay attention to it. And mm-hmm. I find that from there, that's that's kind of the key change, that from there everything else flows from their own body sense and intuition. And that's much more powerful than even hearing an expert talk about what you should be eating. I, I think that you're right, and I think the other the other pivotal point here is that many, many Americans, myself included, were either on or off a diet. Like I would often joke with my friends and say that I had a black belt in dieting because I could lose an enormous amount of weight in a short time, especially when I was younger, and then surrender that new crazy way of wood eating. So I don't consider this a diet, but I consider it to be my life practice and how I approach food. And relinquishing myself of the pressure of having the word diet in my life has been one of the most freeing feelings that I have ever had in my life. And I think that that's probably one of the real nuggets on this whole journey. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, no, it doesn't, it certainly doesn't feel like a diet. Um, I don't feel like I have that much brain power to spare. <laughs> like, I know people who are on diets, it's like, I'm in awe of how many, you know, how many cycles of RAM they're running every day to, first of all, figure out what to eat, and second of all, convince themselves that they want to eat it, and third of all, record it. I'm like, wow, you've got to be a lot smarter than I am to be able to do that. I just, just keep it simple for me so I can spend my brain on harder things, on more important things. Mm Mm-hmm. I think you're. I think that you're absolutely right. I think you're right. And you know, uh, just one other interesting thing. And I haven't worked at Whole Foods for a year and a half, but 
since the inception of the Health Starts Here program and Engine 2 and other things of the same ilk, kale sales are through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> you know, five years ago, kale was the garnish on the diet platter at Friendly's, and now kale has become the mainstay of a delicious meal. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but the, the price of kale has also gone up. It used to be like, please buy me <laughs> at this cheap price. And now it's it's becoming, you know, a little bit more expensive. So maybe uh, maybe kale has something to do with the way that we're all responding. Right. Well, you should come down to the south where, where the word hasn't exactly spread that it's a health food. You know, kale and collards, you can still get cheap in giant bags because it's traditional southern food. Well, that's so, true. Yeah, you're so. right about that. That's a, another another interesting good point. So, and it grows yeah. in the garden in the winter, so it's pretty hardy stuff. So, uh, we can we can still get our kale even if it goes boutique. <laughs> well, we had some kale in our garden this year, and uh, it it seems to live through every element of weather. So, I'm I'm guessing uh, I like to think that the strength of kale in the garden. Uh, has a direct correlation to its strength and effect in your body and everything that it's uh, supposed to do to, to make you healthier and with all those phytonutrients and everything else that are blooming around. So, But right. you should always eat kale. It's never too late to eat kale. It's, it's never too late to embrace kale as a food and not just a garnish. So I think keeping an open mind and... Um, you know, my generation, the baby boomers, uh, we love trends, and uh, I still keep in touch with my high school president. Um, he saw forks over knives. He's lost 35 pounds. He switched from a standard American diet to following a plant-based whole foods diet and said he's never felt better. So, again, uh, let's hope that other generations embrace this, not to see it as a trend, but as a practice and a, and a, and a a focus on your life, not just the diet, as we spoke a few minutes ago. Right. Yep. It's the kindest thing you can do for yourself, for your loved ones, for the planet. Uh, you know, we, we we we're interested in individual longevity for ourselves and our loved ones. Sometimes I also think about, like, the longevity of our species. Like, how long mm-hmm. can can we continue to mistreat the planet and uh, and hope to have it be hospitable? And mm-hmm. so, you know, if, whatever whatever our food choices, if they're if they're not creating a uh, a more biodiverse world with with you know, more biomass and, uh, and and a richer diversity of ecosystem, you know, it's it's it may be, it may be too slow for us to see it in our lifetime, but it's certainly you know not a good direction. So, uh, I would encourage everyone to to think about can you know contributing to a human civilization that improves the planet and doesn't just destroy it. And one, and one of the, the, probably the biggest way to do that is through food. I think you're right about that too. I think that you're, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. I think that, that it's kind of like a, a domino effect that starts with one little thing. And then I, I know for myself that when I first began on my journey, it was just about switching what I ate. But now um, I look at things like uh, animal rights, and I look about the, uh, it makes me focus more on the environment, and it, it has had a whole cascading effect with the way that I just sort of um, lead and focus my own my own life. And I'll be very frank with you, 
um, five years ago, I used to make fun of vegans. You know, I would always have some little quippy joke about them or something like that. And I would make fun of people who did yoga. <laughs> and now I do yoga and I eat plants every day of my life. So you, you should um, you should make fun of millionaires. Howard, that's the most brilliant thing you've ever said. I'm starting today, and it doesn't. It, it won't include Donald Trump. <laughs> Millionaires with it good hair. Um, you know, it's interesting. Just on a sidebar, uh, Jay Z and Beyonce. You know, they did a 28 day challenge for themselves, and apparently lost a lot of weight. And they have a uh, a vegan chef. It would be interesting to see what kind of impact those 28 days had on them. Or there's a TV show called The Talk, and one of the hosts, her name is Cheryl Underwood, she's doing a 28-day vegan challenge right now. So it will be interesting to see what happens after the 28th day, because I will tell you that when I did my first 28-day challenge, I used to keep a list of what my foods would be like on day 29, but then when I hit that magical day 10 of feeling so terrific, I just kind of threw the list away. <laughs> And never look back. So I, I'm hoping that that's the experience for anybody who, um, even in a test pattern of, of living a vegan lifestyle, maybe, um, maybe they can, you know, find a new embrace for themselves or whatever. So, right. Anyway. Well, I, I still make fun of vegans. So I think that you, or maybe what we really need to do is make fun of millionaire vegans. <laughs> So this way you'll sustain your your plant-based self, and then that windfall of cash will, will find itself into your world. Right. I'm, st I'm starting that? with James Cameron. Oh, that's a good one, actually. Yeah, that's that's actually a very good one. And I understand that he's doing really uh, positive things with all of that. Yeah, yeah. Apparently he's, uh, he, he's determined that the global... Climate destabilization is real. It's a big deal, and we have very little time. So he's putting, I think, all of his energy and brilliance and resources to bear on a, you know, a really worthwhile project. Yeah, I've heard, I think I've heard some uh, some ramblings of that with some of the uh, the big guns in uh, in the plant based world. So I think that that's uh, a good thing, don't you think? Yep. Well. I think uh, I, you know, I, I don't have a lot of um, experience with alternatives, but I really like this planet, mm -hmm. and I think I, agree. That, I, I think we should take care of it. You know, call call me a hippie it. radical, but that's how I feel, and I'm going to stick by that. Hippie radicals, yeah. <laughs> hippie free radicals is what you should, uh, yeah, should right. really. I think that, I think that, that would right. be good. I should be a hippie antioxidant yeah. instead. That might work as well. I think that, that that's probably a, a phrase that has never been coined, so that might be something that you might want to actually think about. So no matter how old you are, Howard, you can be a tippy-free antioxidant. Uh, as, you as, you, as you will say, it's never too late. It's never too late, and obviously somebody is still feeding me and needing me when I'm 64. Right on. All right, Char Nolan, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to share your story and be so clear and inspiring with us today. Howard, you're very kind, and I want to just let you know that uh, 
I have a couple of books on my nightstand, and one of them is whole, and I read a couple of pages of it and go, you know, nod my head and think about it or circle a word that I don't understand, but uh, you did a great job on that book, and I wanted to let everybody know that I'm a fan of yours. Oh, well, thank you. Well, reading it is great, but more important is that everybody buy it. Did I say that? Buy it and live it. Buy it and live it. Buy it and live it. Share it. It's okay. Presents, you know, if if you need any uh, presents for anyone in your life, just head over to uh, your favorite, you know, bookmonger and um, get that copy of the book. And I'm happy to say, Howard, that I have an autographed copy, so that makes my life even, my copy even more valuable. So, anyway. Right on. Well, thank thank you for that. And um, be well, stay warm. And uh, and heated and electrified up in in, uh, in miserable Philly today. Thank you. <laughs> and I, I look and for- um, okay. sorry, I, I look forward to seeing you at uh, at some happy plant event someday soon. And I think we'll make that happen. There's going to be the first ever um, vegetarian fest in Philadelphia, sponsored by the Humane League on June the 14th, and I'm on the planning committee, so I'll keep you in the loop and shoot you some emails. Maybe you'll uh, be able to come up to Philly and uh, be part of that event. That would be awesome. June 14th, right. you say? June 14th, yeah. Yeah. Now I have a guitar lesson on the 16th. That's it. Oh, it's, okay, fa- well, it's, then it's I Father's Day weekend, so uh, so maybe I'll, uh, I'll, get, I'll get a vegan grilling book out of it. There you go. All right, Howard, take good care. Always my pleasure. Thank you so much. Mine too. Thanks, Char. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.